Core 4 podcast. This is technically our first real episode. It's going to be a bit of a mini episode. We are here reacting at about 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to the signing of Manny Machado to the San Diego Padres on a 10-year, $300 million contract. Unprecedented in the free agent market of American sports. Now, you know... This came as a surprise to just about everybody, but we're going to dive into all that. Uh, so I'm here, me, Andy, JP, and John. Unfortunately, we're without Max for this little segment. Max is in class with a prior obligation, being a good student. So we will be without his services for this mini episode, but I'm sure we will make do and we will have him back for the next episode. So without further ado, here we are. Manny Machado, three, $300 million. He actually Over got ten it. years. He, got he actually got three hundred million dollars. And he got That's, the years. I mean, opt out yeah. after five years. What do we think? I can't say I'm shocked. I mean, I mean, like he's just like a talented guy. Obviously, everyone knows that. But with the like market, I just like felt at a time a team would cave, and it did. So, oh, absolutely. I think I think what happened was everybody with all the talk about how the market is bad and how it's been hurting free agents ignores the fact that people are always saying, oh, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell, all these guys are unemployed. They don't have teams. But those top tier level guys are never the ones who are affected by the free agent freezes. It's guys like Neil Walker, um, Curtis Granderson, who's on a minor league contract after being an above average offensive player. It's stuff like that that's problematic. But I think on the subject specifically of Manny Machado, I think... I think it was worth it for him to wait, despite people saying that he might have been screwed by it. Um, I think he ended up with a pretty solid deal. I'd you know, say 300, so. $300 million guaranteed is nothing. I would take know. that. I mean, oh, that's essentially a rod. I mean, he's going to... Um, didn't you see the... Was it Darren Ravel who tweeted that... Um, yeah. yeah, the inflation. The, the modern-day valuation of, of A-Rod's um, 2000, uh, 2001 contract was... Um, Three hundred sixty-eight million dollars in yes. um, in two thousand um, nineteen dollars. That is ridiculous. Like to get like all that per sport. I mean, I know that's like a totally yeah, different I mean, topic, but I mean, that is just he's just out there playing baseball, something that you know kids go out there and do every day, just just for fun. And this guy is making thirty million dollars a year to do that. That's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. And wow. Yeah. Well. Um, I think uh, to switch gears a little bit, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. When you look back at how everybody talked about this free agency market, it kind of was thought that the Yankees would set the pace. That was the narrative that we were fed for a while, that the Yankees would, would shop at these higher levels, looking at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Um, And then we heard about, um, well, Machado is, you know, it's Phillies and White Sox. Um, and it seemed like it was kind of a, a you know, a two team race to get him uh, as, as the Yankees signed Troy Tulowitzki and DJ LeMahieu, they, they sort of faded out on Machado and that appears to be exactly what happened. But the Padres, um, very little guaranteed money on the books, basically just Eric Hosmer and Will Myers. Those are huge yeah. obligations, but that's basically all of their guaranteed money. And um, for not so great players. And I think they, they probably were thinking that this is a bit more of a sure thing than somebody like Eric Hosmer, who don't get me wrong, is a great player. And before signing that contract was among the upper echelon of first baseman, but 
when you look at somebody like Manny Machado, there really is no debate as to his standing and whether he's, you know, looking at either the third baseman or the shortstops in the, in the league. It's just, there's really no debate as he's top five he's a, in either regard. Yeah. For oh, both positions. So I, mean, he's, I think they were thinking this is a sure thing. We can't really possibly fuck this up. Let's go for Precisely. it. And, I mean, 300. I, well, I that was can't. also the idea there was, was third base. They've got all of these prospects um, from these trades, from tearing everything down. They're, they're stacked in that regard, but there had always been a question of who becomes their third baseman because they have such talented middle infield guys like Tatis and Urias who can play shortstop second base, which are, you know, I think more athletically demanding than third base, which essentially requires a good first step and a good arm. And so they could end up with a, with a pretty stacked infield if these prospects pan out the way they think they would. And I'm looking at their payroll right now with Machado, assuming he passes his physical and there's no other issues. He'll be just the third player on their team making more than, uh, excuse me, the fourth player making more than, Five million dollars next season. That's, that's ridiculous. On, that, on their payroll, because they have Will Myers, who makes um, his his salary next year is five and a half, because his deal is very backloaded. That was an awful Garrett, contract. They signed but... Garrett Richards to a two year deal because I think he's rehabbing Tommy John, so he gets seven million this year. Um, Eric Hosmer is making twenty one million, and the average annual value of Machado's deal is thirty. So you can assume he's making you know, somewhere between 28.5 to 31, maybe in 2019, they haven't, of course, you know, those accurate figures aren't out yet, but they have their luxury tax payroll right now is 135,000, uh, not thousand, excuse me, $135 million. And they are still like what? 70 million under the first. Yeah. Um, yeah, luxury tax threshold. So they're not, they're not paying, a dime in, in luxury tax. And I'm pretty sure they're receiving revenue sharing. So they're, they, you know, they, they kind of check a ton of boxes by a getting a top 10 player in the league and top five at either shortstop or third base. And they're sort of making out like Kings financially because they still have a very, very, very low payroll with the only thing that they're probably going to be adding at this point is more pre-arb players who are going to be making, you know, 555 K. And that's, you know, that's a lot of money, of course, but that's pennies in terms of payroll. Like they're projected to be paying $10 million about total to let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like nine total players. Yeah. Sign Keiko. Yeah, that's what they should sign Keiko one hundred percent. That's my thought. Because their rotation is not good. I'm sorry, they're not a good team. They are not. Sign Keiko. I'm the Padres right now. If I'm the Padres right now, I agree. You go out and sign Dallas Keiko for you know five. He's he was asking for six years. When you have so few, he'll get three. Like. I, I I mean, if I were the Padres, I'd sign him to four or five with an opt out after it's a few worth. years, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. I I would sign him to more or less whatever he wants because it seems like they're not afraid to do that. Then I would go sign a guy like Marvin Gonzalez and somebody else maybe to fill a position in the outfield. And how about Harper? And it, it, well, I mean, yeah, you could do Bryce Harper. I mean, Dallas Michael talks about that, and you have seventy five million dollars before you, you reach the the fucking luxury tax threshold. I mean, you could sign him to both of them and not I even think, think twice. That should be on their radar. I mean, that's that was part of it. Was they said that they, a lot, you know, so many teams were saying, "Oh, we prefer, we prefer Machado," mainly because in terms of 
at least in terms of defensive metrics, I know that the positional adjustment for a third baseman and shortstop is proves that they are a more valuable player than a corner outfielder just because of the sheer degree of difficulty there. Shortstop and center field are the two most valuable positions. I believe catcher is, is somewhere in that mix, but, um, uh, you know, for the importance of this discussion, you know, those are top, um, priority positions. Um, and, Right now, they're they're projected to have Will Myers in left field, Hunter Renfro in right, and Franchi Cordero in center. Which what about um, um Margo. Margo, Margo, right? Yeah, yeah, Margo, 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 Margo is, yeah well, he he's remember the National League team. There's going to be yeah. a lot of moving around. Exactly. There, so it never um, hurts to have too many guys that could play, at least, especially more than one position. Right, exactly. Well, they have, can they play have, third and first. I know that. Well, he can he can fake third, and he's an okay first baseman. Yeah. Myers Myers is an over. He's a he's he's kind of got an Andujar profile to him that he's always been a bat in search of a position, and <laughs> they've sort of thrown their arms up and said, "All right, you got an outfield glove because yeah. I know you can hit, but but." Kind you know, of like the socks gonna, they did with um Hanley. With Hanley, oh yeah, my gosh, that God, was him and left. That was funny, like like funny how bad it was. Yeah, that's what they might do with Andrew. How, how much could he that. embarrass himself? Uh, it could it could work. I think Andrew is a much better athlete than oh no doubt. Than well, yeah, because he's he's well, got a BMI under forty five starters, <laughs> and he's also not a you know felony level drug trafficker. A fentanyl. Well, that doesn't, you know. <laughs> you know, that's just that was a that's hilarious rumor. That was one of my favorites of last year. But that, again, again, that's just completely besides the point. And I think departing from this necessarily a little bit, but on the Machado topic, I think if I just had a set, like the the forecast, I guess, for what I believe will happen, he's got the opt out after five years, the guaranteed 10 years, though. I would, if I were Manny, Manny Machado or if I were just anybody, I would take the five years, you make $150 million. I'm willing to bet the Padres won't even flirt with the postseason, never mind a World Series in those He'll five years. No matter, years. no matter how good of a player Manny is, I mean, it's baseball. You, you really can't take over a team with one guy. I mean, like, look at the Angels. That's If, if it were going to be anybody, it would be Mike Trout, and he can't even do it. Yeah. So I think he either gets traded after three years like A-Rod did or – you know, make yeah, goes the five years in San Diego, takes the five year or the opt out after five years, gets, you know, how many million dollars? He's going to be 31 years old. He takes $22 million a year for four years from God knows who, whatever teams are contending at that point. Maybe wins a World Series, rides off into the sunset with fucking what? I don't know, $280 million. When it all seems exactly like A Rod, this entire thing. It seems exactly like A Rod. He's on a bad team. He signs there. It's- and then he gets, you know, traded and he signs an extension with that team. I say that'll be gone by 2021. Yeah, I think, I I think that's that. entirely possible. It depends also um, the, the concept of him signing with with both the White Sox and with the Padres was this sort of idea that he would be the catalyst of the rebuild, the pulling out of the rebuild, yeah. you know, because the rebuild is get anybody who's worth anything, ship them out. Like when they traded Brad hand and Adam Simber, they got Francisco Mejia, the Mm -hmm. best catching prospect in baseball. They got Tatis from the White Sox and one of the most, what will hopefully, well not hopefully, but what many project will be a very lopsided trade, which sent James Shields 
to the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And they, they, here's the thing. And this is the thing about, about where we're going with scouting and stuff. I think they traded for Tatis when he had only played in the Dominican Summer League rookie ball. He was 16. It was he was 16 years old. With Glaber. What'd you say? It's almost like what the Yankees did with Glaber, but they got him. When he well, was Glaber just, had played, he played some he played minors. Well, yeah, he Glaber was, in, was a little, he was a little older and a little bit more proven at that point, but you know, to the same. Yeah, Tatis, Tatis never degree. played a professional inning in the White Sox organization. He made his professional debut in 2016 in rookie ball for the Padres. Well, the thing about the White Sox is that, you know, they, they are just so absolutely solidified at the second base position with perennial all-star Yon Moncada, who doesn't, about that has one. a very low strikeout rate, is a defensive stalwart, has mm-hmm. really proven himself as a high contact, high average kind of hitter. And, you know, yeah, I agree. He, he's going to be around for a long time as a force in this league. What yeah, a disaster totally. that guy is. He stinks. He stinks. <laughs> I don't want to give Dave Dombrowski any credit, but Jesus Christ, he came out of there like a highway robber. For Chris and Michael Kopech. This guy, Michael oh Kopech is going to have eight Tommy John surgeries by the time he's 26 years old. Great. Yeah. Okay. Wow. He threw 101 miles per hour a couple times and he's a starting pitcher. But Jesus Christ, Chris Sale wins, you know. Uh, yeah, that. Chris Sale won the more World Series. Exactly, exactly. And Chris Sale, so I mean, props to you, Dave. Starting the league, and essentially, fuck you, Jan Moncada. <laughs> um, so where do with with it was interesting because one of the narratives on the market was both the White Sox and the Phillies were were monitoring Mike Mustakas um, as an option should they miss Machado. And the idea was that one of those two teams was going to get Machado and then surprise the Padres swoop. And in the middle of all of this, Mustaka signs a one-year deal with a mutual option with Milwaukee to, <laughs> to play second base. Um, well, he must have really done it. What did you say? Right, never mind. I'm not going to repeat that. I'll never give that coward any credit. <laughs> Yeah, but but um, the must have really liked this time in Milwaukee. I mean, they obviously proved that they can t- contend. I think they've, you know, with guys like Yelich hopefully coming into his his playing style a little bit more, maybe he can prove that he's not the two sixty five hitter that he was in Miami, but rather the three fifteen hitter that he is in Milwaukee and things like that. And you know, Lorenzo Cain will be more familiar and things. So I think Milwaukee they, they poise themselves to be a pretty good team. For next year, so I, I completely understand yeah, I stock is going back there. Did you just call him a 65 hitter? In Miami, Yelich did something. He never in, in added under the 280 in um, Miami, but that yes, I'm 100. Right. Maybe I was mistaken. He's but a 297 I, on career average, but that's all right. All right. Uh, I, well, he certainly wasn't an MVP in Miami. No, is what I'm no, saying. no. He never. He he was a career. It was 290. In Miami, in in six hundred forty three games, but he never demonstrated that he would hit three thirty and OPS yeah. at a thousand. That was something and that on he, base of forty and just you know, yeah, I mean, he, he was he, unbelievable. He, he last year. Out. I mean, think about it. Twenty six years old. That's exactly the age that that Harper and Machado are now, yeah. and people are are balking at the idea of, of that being worth it when suddenly 26 is kind of the time that it starts to click for a lot of guys. You look at with Aaron judge with the swings changes that he made mm-hmm. to become less, you know, 
less power and strikeouts and a little more just hitting the ball really freaking hard. Yeah. yeah. And then you think about a guy like Luke Voigt, granted we only saw a quarter of a season from him, but he's what, 27, 28. Aaron Hicks, DD Gregorius. And then you have to think, God knows where Gary Sanchez is going to do at the age of 26. I mean, he, he started doing all that stuff at 23, 22. Like what's he going to look like in two years when he really like is free of injury for, you know, for at least a year and comes into himself maybe improves his defense and all these things. I mean, yeah, 26 years old in, in the baseball world, especially with how guys are conditioned now and things like it's, it's really not that old. I wouldn't really hesitate giving a 26 year old who's in good shape, perennial all-star, you know, great everything. I would never hesitate to give him 10 years. Oh, absolutely. I think it, I think the year, I, I think, the idea that, that players are asking too much is so stupid because of the fact that as inflation happens and as revenue grows and as, as the sport has been growing, I mean, what's the revenue figure at like $10 billion? It's ridiculous. It was at an all time high last year. Exactly. And so when you have, (laughs) when you look at it, I mean, first of all, the, the idea is, the, the the vacuum idea of how players get compensated is that they get underpaid in their younger years because they're making their pre-arbitration. Then they get only partial amounts of their value because they're controlled by the team for up to six years. And then you then get paid. It's meant to sort of compensate the fact that you were making, you know, your first year of arbitration, Aaron Nola filed at like 6.2. I think it was something like that with the Phillies. And that would have been a record for a first year arbitration player. Meanwhile, Brett Gardner is on a $7.5 million deal as a 37 year old. So I don't know if he's actually 37. I made that up. But, he's 35. Um, he might as well be though. He's useless. Right. And old, older, but that's the balance is the idea is then you get paid on the back end to make up for the fact yeah. that you essentially were working for way less than what you were worth in the beginning. And so now what's happening is teams are looking and seeing, I can pay someone like Brett Gardner. I mean, this is a pure hypothetical. I can pay Brett Gardner seven and a half million dollars to provide me maybe three, three wins above replacement. That was what his 2018 was essentially. He was 2.8 per baseball reference. Um, or I can pay Esteban Florial league minimum yeah. to give me two wins above replacement, you know, best case scenario. And he's also, you know, he happens to be 15 years younger than Brett Gardner too. Right. And, and the idea though, is that he has the higher upside, he's cheaper and you end up with a little bit better dollar value paying half a million dollars for two wins than you would paying $7 million for three. And so that's why there's all these guys getting frozen out of jobs because the minor leaguer who can do almost as well for a hell of a lot cheaper is going to be way more attractive to a front office. Exactly. And so that's why you have the, uh, the idea of, of Troy Tulowitzki at league minimum and DJ LeMahieu at $12 million a year makes way more financial sense. And to a certain degree than Manny Machado at $300 million. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with it. I think obviously Manny Machado is a much better player, but you can see why teams are doing that. And see, that leads me to like a player like Aaron judge, who I think two, does he have two or three years left for his free agent? 
He is old. I think he is more than really? that. All right. So let's he's say going into his third year in the league. So he has um, three years left because it's yeah. after six so let's years let's of service if time. If he, if he doesn't sign an extension, he'll be arbitration eligible each of, of 2020, 2021, 2022, not becoming a free agent. Uh, until the uh, 2023 offseason. Right, let's say hypothetically, I think they would settle with him before he reaches free agency because of his age and because of his impact. He'll probably be the captain by then. But let's say he waits until 2022 to be a free agent. And he asks at age, what's that? Three years from now, he's 26. He's going to be 29, almost 30. I'm going to see the takes. Oh, he's 30 years old. I don't know if we could trust paying him what he wants. Let's say in today's dollars, it would be, I want $30 million a year. People are going to say, I don't want to do that. He's too old, blah, blah, blah. You have to look at from the front office perspective. I would never hesitate giving, I mean, I love Aaron judge, obviously a fantastic player. I wouldn't hesitate for a second giving that man the contract he wants at $30 million a year, because you gave Essentially for nothing, you got five years of MVP caliber play for nothing. And this is more or less just paying it back. Like, hey, I know, you know, thanks for the free labor for five years. Thanks for being a captain. Thanks for being an MVP for five years. And we paid you fucking pennies on the dollar. Here you go. Right out into the sunset with your you know, your $150 million contract and you're 30 years old. I would never hesitate for a second to do that because of like, you look at a guy like labor Torres, who comes up at 21 and 22 years old and he's going to be a free agent in five years. So he's going to, you know, get his payday. And that's another guy I wouldn't hesitate because you're getting so much from so much value for so little money for so many years. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a balance. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, there's a certain amount of, of, of value that comes from cheap players and a certain guaranteed value that comes from the better players. I mean, you know, Manny Machado is going to be, there's a certain floor to his performance. I mean, yeah. there, you look at his, his track record in, he, in the, if you ignore 2017, which he had a down year offensively, which a lot of batted ball metrics pointed to similar things to Gary Sanchez, um, a lot of bad luck. If you look at 2015 through 2018 and ignore the outlier that is 2017, first of all, the lowest amount of games he played is 156 yes. out of 162. He's durable, even though he, everybody says, Oh, he's had those knee surgeries. They clearly don't affect him now. Mm-hmm. Um, 2015, 162 games, 6.6 uh, fan graphs war. 2016, 157 games, 6.3 F war. Skip 2017 where he's where he was a clear outlier. His walk rate dropped slightly. His strikeout rate increased slightly, and by slightly I mean a, like literally a two percent fluctuation. <laughs> he had a, a, his uh, batting average on balls in play, which of course erases uh, strikeouts. Um, uh, from one's batting average went from 309 the previous season to 265. Yeah, so he clearly was hitting into bad luck. I'm not going to get into the batted ball numbers about whether he was, you know, had more soft contact or more ground balls. Those all could play a role in it. Um, but that had a drop off when he was still a, a 2.6 win player, which is still pretty damn good. Then 2018, 162 games split between Baltimore and LA into the playoffs as well. And he was a 6.2 win player. So, I mean, you can argue from 2015 to 2018 that he's 
you know, I guarantee you he's a top five player in the league for that time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pull it up. hundred percent. I'm, I'm very confident in that, you know, using qualified, uh, at bats as a, um, he's top 10, he's number nine in that time in, in all of baseball. Mm. From 2015, even with a down year, I don't. There's no. I don't think I could take it out. I don't know how to calculate that on in, in without doing a bunch of math and getting back to you. But it, it's it's astounding that that someone who's been literally one of the ten best individual players in the sport from an offense from a non pitcher standpoint, and people aren't willing to pay. Yeah what he's clearly worth i mean you don't you don't stumble into being that good it's just a, a, a coincidence piece. almost 22 I mean, in play my favorite is when i see fans saying like oh what's you know the player doesn't deserve this much blah 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 the money they're not just like taking this money from from nowhere like the money's already there the owners have it the owners have the money right, and exactly. it's, it's because of you it's because you go to the games it's because you buy the jerseys it's because you do all these things so would you no go to the Padres games but well yeah I mean there's I get more people at like my backyard with football games than the Padres their do, revenue like, was like 200 and like 16 million it's ridiculous but like you look at these things and it's like I mean would you rather as a fan see the money that you're spending on jerseys games I mean fucking memorabilia all this stuff would you rather see it in the owner's pocket or would you rather pay it to the players that you're going to watch. Like I'm not paying a game. I'm not paying the ticket to a game to go watch Hal Steinbrenner sit at a fucking desk. I'm going and I'm spending money and I'm spending God. I'm, you know, when all said and done 200 fucking dollars on an afternoon in Yankee stadium to, to see Aaron judge, not to see Brian Cashman, not to see Hal Steinbrenner, not to see Randy. Yeah, Levine. Like, I, if the money's going to be there, anyway, I want the players though. to have it. Like the Steinbrenners aren't, they're not, they're not, fucking, they're not, um, they're billionaires. There's yeah, no they, other way to put it. They're, they're filthy rich. They've owned this struggling. team for years. I mean, they own the most, like, it's just, Hal I Steinbrenner's mean, what, 55 years old. Man, I, don't even 26. Think, yeah. I would much rather see it go to a guy who can establish himself, you know, start a family, do these things rather than a guy whose family has had billions of dollars since the dawn of time, like the Steinbrenners. And that's why everyone's upset about this though, because like, I mean, I mean, like, obviously I think this team made 800 um, million or something like that. in um revenue, it's something absurd and they're not like signing these guys. I understand like, like if everyone's upset, but I mean, at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because if you spend that um, money on these guys, then you can't, you know, like, I don't know. And then you can't like keep the guys that you have. And that was off topic, but. Well, I, the, 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 you need to lock up your young core argument for, as a, as a reason to not go after free agents. It's, it's not kind a good of, reason, like you said, it, it's a double-edged sword in that. Yeah. Okay. Sign some, sign some damn extensions then. I know mm-hmm. the Severino deal and I'm a huge oh, fan that of that We'll get into that later this week, but that was, that is the kind of stuff that they need to be doing. If they're saying we're not signing Machado, Harper, Keuchel, Kimbrel never really made sense, but um, if you're going to do that, they should be, you know, they, they, they're supposedly talking to Dellen Batances about extension. The first priority Um, over, over Didi and over Aaron Hicks. I think Dellen should be a a priority because you look at, uh, so you look at eighth inning guys in the league. 
I think Dylan Batances, now that Adam, uh, Adam Adovino is on, on the Yankees, I think he would have been the only one that's better than Dylan. I think Dylan is by far the best eighth inning guy in the league. And Aaron Hicks, he's going to want his payday. He's a very, very, very good center fielder. And I love Aaron Hicks. I would love to see him on the Yankees for longer. But if he wants to go elsewhere and make his money, I would be fine with that. Didi, I, I mean, Didi is like the heart and soul of the Yankees. But that's that's something for a little bit. Dylan Batances should be the absolute priority of this front office to lock him up for another three be. years. Yeah, I agree you're with you. Not gonna get that, you're not going to get that kind of value from anywhere else. Don't forget a absolutely invaluable. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Chapman doesn't have an if he wants. I don't think yeah, he will because he's getting an absurd year. amount. I mean, yeah. but if he did, it would be the worst thing again. in the world because we do have Zach Britton, who was, you know, low key the best closer in the league for five straight years. So, just about Britton, Ottavino. There's a lot of, of late inning of late inning yeah, guys. Green, and it's interesting. Yeah, Chad Green. I mean, Chad Green got um his um zips comp from um Fangraphs was hilarious. It was um let me see if I can find it. Um but it was um, I don't even know what that I, is. I, if I you want to here. explain the the basis this of it, is, it's a it's a projection. So it's a projection <laughs> system that um spits out different stat lines um through its it, it it's. And for all intents and purposes, it just crunches a bunch of numbers and do um, does projections off of it. Um, and then it also, the coolest part, in my opinion, is it spits out player comparisons. So like Aaron Judge's 2019 is projected to be, uh, his number one comparison is, is Tim Salmon, longtime Angels mm-hmm. outfielder and designated hitter. For example, Luis Severino has a Roy Halladay comparison. Chad Green has Raleigh Fingers. Wow. That's not bad. Like, like if you organize by ERA cool Plus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you organize by ERA Plus, which is a... one of those um, from Chad Green this year. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Actually, that's a, that would fly under the, the rules. Yeah, but, um, have mustaches. If you If you organize it by their, the, their projections by ERA Plus, which is a, a metric that... Um, it looks at pitching performance and adjusts it to both era and ballpark and, and like the climate of the league. Um, so it can be used across um, generations, essentially. Um, it lets you, you look at it from a neutral perspective. Chad green is projected to be the second best reliever on the team. Really? Um, with a 163 ERA plus which means it's 63% above league average. It's one of those stats where 100 is, is the average and you want to be above <laughs> that number. And each, you know, each one above 100 is, is 1%. So he, you know, 63% above league average. Aroldis Chapman is the, is the number one on that list at 170, 70% now, above league average. Now is this league, league average. average at just the pitcher, uh, pitcher position or like the, their specific pitchers, yeah. position within the bullpen. Like, is Chapman compared to closers it's, and Chad Green? It's all, it's all pitchers. All right. Starters it's two all or just pitchers. Uh, they're all on the same scale. Huh. All right. So, see, now, this, yeah, I mean, that's no, no, go. about the locking up the future. Um, <laughs> I think it also, it's interesting because one of those guys that they could lock up uh, going forward is, is, and it shows that they have a lot of confidence, is, is Miguel Andujar. Uh-huh. Um, he... Got, he dealt with a lot this offseason in terms of they're going to sign Machado and trade Andujar for Corey Kluber yep. or Trevor Bauer, or they're going to still sign Machado and make Andujar a full-time DH at 24, have Stanton play left, and have you know the elite 
on both sides of the ball, Machado be the new starter in the infield. I don't think that's over yet in terms of like all the talks. I, I would hope it's over. I love Miguel and Duhar. I don't want him to go anywhere. How about Arenado? I mean, Arenado, that, that's a next year thing, I think. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't know. It really depends on, on where that extension talk is because I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether or not Arenado gets a good enough offer from Colorado where he just says, I don't want to go out and, and deal with the, all the crap that that these other guys have dealt with. I think yeah. the free agent market is, is if you look at First of all, if you look at the history of the Rockies, they love to lock up their guys. They, I they, think he wants to stay as well. They extended to Lewitsky really early, and that worked out well for them. And Todd Helton was there Tulewitzki forever. Loved, yeah, Todd Helton played his entire career there. Tulewitzki was, I mean, his relationship there, I, I don't think it's exactly as good as it used to be because he was really angry that he was traded without his consent to Toronto. And that was part of the motivation for, for the no-trade clause on his league minimum one-year deal because... You know, if the reality comes that he's not good enough and he could be traded elsewhere, he just wants to be able to say, no, I don't want to go to, um, you know, who, who might need a shortstop? I don't know, but um, I don't want to go here, there or, or wherever. And so it's interesting that that they were so ready to scoop up to yeah. when Machado was there. But I think I think the extension game is the first thing to look at with Aaron Nato because if if Enduhar takes a step towards league average, you know, he was awful. Minus 25 defensive run save, worst third baseman who played a qualified number of innings. He was worse than Devers in terms... No, yeah, he was worse than Devers right, in terms of defensive run save. Though, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> but... um if he takes a step closer to a league average player um, in terms of defense, first of all, his, his valuation will go way up. He'll a end up, he'll end up making more money in arbitration and things like that, but they'll be more willing to look at who he is as a player and say, we're getting much better value out of Anduhar than we would have both Machado and Arenado. Yes. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because like Machado, Arenado is so, so elite on both sides of the ball, but it's, it's possible that he never hits free agency. Yeah. And if he does, it might be at like 35 when he probably will be a first base. And then the Mets will be all over that. <laughs> oh yeah. But see, now, now going back to Machado, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I would have, mm-hmm. I have, I think I have two great concerns over the whole thing. So we saw in the beginning of last year in the first half before the deadline, when he was on the Orioles and everyone was saying, this guy stinks. He's not a shortstop. He's a third baseman. And then once he went to LA, he kind of figured it out. His shortstop skills, they evolved, they got there. And they ended up, you know, pretty much concluding that the coaching in, in Baltimore was the problem. He wasn't being positioned right. And all these things, they didn't, right. you know, they didn't have the right guys around them. I fear, I don't know the first thing about the Padres coaching staff. I fear that he might run into the same problem in San Diego if he, would, if he is to play shortstop. I think he might run into the same problem that they don't have the, the elite coaching staff that the Dodgers kind of have at their disposal and that he might fall victim to the, the advanced metrics of fielding and not even to the, you know, to the naked eye appear as the shortstop that he was in LA. And then also... I think the fear with that is that I I like the Reds a lot. I like what they kind of been doing. 
but they have all these great hitters like Suarez and Scooter Jeanette. And now they have Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp and all these guys and Joey Votto, obviously, but they don't have, they don't have the pitching. And I think the Padres are obviously the same thing where they got Yumi and Dupree every, you know, every fifth day going out on the mound, but then they've got these, these hitters that are, you know, plus hitters and plus fielders and all these things. And the Phillies are doing the same thing. Yeah. They're trying to out hit their, their deficient rotation. I think the Yankees almost like the did the same thing. Last year. Yeah, exactly. The Yankees did something to the same extent, but they had guys who are better than Joey Lucchese and, and, uh, and God knows and who Garrett else. Richards yeah. with half a UCL. God knows who else and is on the Padres. Garrett and, Richards isn't going to pitch, but, but I mean, for what you need to know, uh, according to Roster Resource, which is a fantastic website, if you want really detailed roster information about every all thirty teams, we're not sponsored. That sounded like a plug, but it, they're really an awesome site. Um, Brian Mitchell is the three starter for you know Yankee, Yankee Brian Yankee Mitchell, first base first, who played first base for uh-huh. for two two thirds of an inning because Joe Girardi was like freaking out. <laughs> Um, Wait, Joe Girardi was freaking he's out. Their, no. He's their third starter. He is their projected number three starter. I think I might be able to close for the Padres this year if I grab my glove. It's right across the room. I'll fly down the, there. The, their their current closer right now is Kirby Yates, okay, who not, was last but, seen giving up consecutive walk off home runs in the uh, J- Japanese All Star really? Series. All right. He blew back to back games against the Japanese national team. Uh, walk off homers, blown saves. So <laughs> you're kind of right. <laughs> but they have a top five farm. They, they do should have a top five trade farm, from but Kluber, honestly. I think they could because well, they, they definitely have it the could pieces. Be something like that. The prospect hyping is is out of control. I think that's the next thing I want to talk about with, with him going, with Manny Machado. I think Tatis is a stud. I think he's going to be a total stud I think, in the league. I think they have a lot of really, really good players there. But the thing is, the way that, that, um, the the idea of what prospects could be the upside game is so overdone that it you know it makes there aren't a ton of guys that the Padres probably consider to be their long term you know if it would turn into a dynasty it's not those aren't the pieces that are in place right now you know just hypothetically in a perfect world they probably aren't starting Will Myers in left field they probably aren't starting Ian Kinsler at that second base. Stinks. Austin Hedges isn't the I forgot catcher. about that. I forgot they even signed uh, Kinsler. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you know, their closer isn't Kirby Yates and their ace isn't Joey Lucchese. It's just, that's not how it's, that's not how their perfect story of being, you know, the surprise like 2021 World Series champs goes. It, it doesn't. It includes guys like Mejia being the starting catcher and, um, Tatis coming up and, and kicking ass and things like that. It has a lot of, of moving parts that, that may not fall into place exactly how they want them to. And that's sort of the reality of it. Um, but the idea that, that I, I don't know, I think it'll, it'll be interesting because if things start working out quickly, it'll be great to see, you know, Manny Machado, 26, 27, 28 year old superstar playing alongside these young, hungry call-ups will work well. But if it doesn't, you could see the, the negative side that everybody says about Manny Machado, where he, he, you know, there were times where he knew he was just flailing with the Orioles. Yeah. And he was just trying to, 
keep his knees intact. I know there was a game that he, that it rained and he was, he was taken out of the game because I don't know whether he said it or the team said it, but they were just like, it's not yeah. worth it. Cause we know we're terrible. Yeah. Well, that was around the time where they were going to, I'm because I think it also came out after the fact that, that he, that they were very close, that they almost had a deal in principle and that's why they pulled him. And but, one more point before we like end here, he was on, on Baltimore for what, like five years, six years. He yeah, lost almost um, every year, and now he's signs on a team that yeah, like, it's just it, the same thing. He's going to continue to lose. Yeah. I mean, good for him. He got paid. I mean, it's the same with um, 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 Cano. It's like the same exact thing I think with him, except he won, of course, yeah, the Yankees. Was, but well, yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's kind of hard to, to compare because Machado came up. It's like 2012 was when he debuted, and that was when they went. They to had a the, couple good years mixed um, in there. They had a couple wild it's card like runs. Yeah, it's exactly the, like the playoffs three yeah. times. It is like an A run. It's exactly like A run. <laughs> Except the Orioles aren't yeah, as poverty, I, I don't believe, as the Mariners are. The Mariners, they, well, they had the oh Mariners God, during that, that time in the early nineties. No, I'm sorry. In the uh, late nineties, um, 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 they were good. Well, yeah, they, had, they were a very they good team. But, you know, they the Yankees, and, Edgar Martinez yeah. and Randy Johnson. And of course, Aaron is a stud of 40, 40 guy, but I think, well, the Mariners, it's interesting to look at the Mariners in the same way. The Marlins are in some way where the Marlins had, Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich, John Carlos Stanton, JT Real Muto, all those guys there. And then they just said, fuck it. Right, and well, see, the thing about the Marlins I is, think I know there's a yeah, reason that happened. It's a shame what happened. It's a tragedy. There's but, a little bit of a reason that the Marlins well, tore yeah. down. And I, yeah, I don't want to go too much into it, but like they had no pitching and we know why. And I think it was, yeah, it's it was unfortunate. What happened with Jose exactly. Fernandez really, uh, unfortunately for him and for, that team, I think, I think he was only going to get better. And the, the, the sad part, you know, just solely from a baseball perspective is it kind of, they had no way to recover from it. I mean, there it, it's impossible. He was an otherworldly talent. And that's something that when you lose so suddenly and so emotionally like that, I mean, that first game back yeah, that was, was, that was one of the most emotional things I've ever seen happen on a baseball field. It, it, it's, it's demoralizing. I remember reading the stories about Stanton. Um, he traveled somewhere in South America. I think he was with AJ Ramos, who's now with the Mets, I believe. Um, just being like, I don't know what to do to cope with this, but I don't know. The Mariners at the same time, they, I don't know. I, I read a, a funny article that said that it's, it's better. It's more profitable to be a cheap team and, lose than it is to be a mediocre team with a with a decent payroll and not win the world series and so that's kind of like the orioles the orioles have like a middle of the road payroll and they won fucking 45 games last year that's despicable but i mean that they're just a complete anomaly but yeah yeah so i think we got into some very interesting stuff when when you dissect the the I, the first word that comes to my mind with Machado going to San Diego is surprise. Um, I was surprised as well because honestly, I wasn't. Well, if you told me, if uh, you told me day one the I read. that Manny Machado would be a San Diego Padre oh, on yeah, February nineteenth, I'd be but, like, "What the hell? They have all these young guys who are going to be 
you know, they're guys, they've got like, you know, nobody, in, you haven't heard AJ Preller come out and say, Oh, don't talk to me about Manny Machado. We have too many infielders like Brian Cashman did about Bryce Harper and saying, Oh yeah, we have too many outfielders. Well then again, I don't think the media is running towards uh, AJ Preller as like, well, I don't you know. know. You remember the last really time we did the this. Clicks. Remember the, when the, the year that they had, they got Kimbrell and Upton and um, Alexi Ramirez and um, they got Matt Kemp. And then, it was like decades ago. Yeah, they were a sleeper then team. They, went that, yeah. have, they were yeah, They went about 80 games. They did not work out. That team did not work out, but he really went for it. So that was what yeah. was more important yeah. than now. Give him props. But I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll be interesting to see how he interacts with that core. Um, and I think from from on the face of it i think if he if machado is able to be comfortable and perform and grow with that team mm-hmm. i think it i think it works out really well and i think this is a good opportunity for machado to mature because he's going to be all things considered one of the more veteran players on that team even at 26 years old and you look at the guys in their infield in particular they got guys that are anywhere from 20 to you know, like 23 years old and he's going to be clearly the best player of them. And I think this gives him a chance to mentor young guys, mature a little bit on and off the field and maybe make himself an even more attractive free agent in five years yeah, when he I has the so. opt out, when he could go to maybe a contending team. And I think, you know, th- th- it'll be a very good mutual relationship yeah, on and off the field well. between him and the young infielders, especially on that team. So I think in that regard, this is a great signing. Whether or not the Padres win more than 80 games this year is to be seen. I don't believe they will. I I mean, hopefully they prove me wrong. I don't really have too much stake in the NL West besides my love for the Rockies. Go for it. Go for it, San Diego. Surprise us. Yeah, I like, I like, what you got. I like the, amb- the ambitiousness and the, the, the urgency that it shows. You, you've got a top two free agents. Mm-hmm. And they paid, and great they for the, sport the, they they paid the premium, but they showed, yep. they said, you know what? I think this is the right guy for us to build our core around. And I think that that's commendable because there are a lot of teams saying it's too expensive for us to build our core around this guy. Um, yeah, kind and of it's like, great yeah, for the sport that exactly. we're showing these, kind of like the white these teams that they can... We're showing that the small market teams in this league, they don't have to shy away from big free agents and they can say, all right, we've built up. I mean, the Padres have done just an unbelievable job building up their farm system, but they're saying anybody can do this. Build up your farm system. Wait a couple of years. Do it the right way. Bam. Sign a free agent. Mix it with a young core. And who knows? I mean, they obviously have room for improvement in San Diego, but... Maybe this will work. Maybe they can start a new subculture or a new trend within the league. And that would be fantastic. I mean, the rebuilding thing is it, it, it's always, um, it's always a process of you figure out when you have enough good upside prospects to start adding from the outside, which the Yankees have done mostly with relievers. And so this is the start of that for the Padres. So it's just going to be a matter of, of seeing, you know, opening day is going to come Manny Machado and the Padres come to Yankee stadium for a three game series. I believe May 27th through 29th. Oh, I wonder what his reception is going to um, be. It'll be interesting. Oh, he's he's going to get booed, even though he probably got the lowest overall offer from the Yankees and don't get into the garbage about, Oh, he didn't get a formal offer. The Yankees don't yeah, give no, you an offer semantics. unless you're going to sign it. Discussed, it means it's offered. And the word uh, offer is, is, is overplayed, but yes. So, um, I think I look at it. I'm going to wrap my, my opinion on it by saying, I'm intrigued and I'm also encouraged because it shows that this is a a team that has been bad for so long saying we're ready 
Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the big kickstart is Manny Machado anchoring possibly third base, possibly shortstop, you know, the left side of the San Diego infield for at least five years. They didn't, you know, give him an opt out after two or three. They want a five year. I like, I like, commitment the opt-out to five years. I like it. I think it shows a commitment from Manny. And I think it shows a commitment from San Diego that they're going to really work their asses off to make this work. And if he yeah. loves, if they win, three chips or something. And he says, I'll stay for another five years. Maybe he does that. Maybe he stays till he's 35 or 36, but I'm, I'm going to finish by saying, I think that they kind of outsmarted Philly and Chicago by scooping him up. In the end of the day, I think we will see, I, I love the commitment from San Diego and I like the mutual, what seems like a mutual commitment from, from Manny that maybe he wants to be, the hero in San Diego that, you know, brings them out of this, this rut kind of like a LeBron James esque in Cleveland type thing where he wants to be the guy that, you know, brings them out of this, this eternal or perennial losing and, you know, brings them to the playoffs and brings prosperity to the sixth best team in the state of California. But I, I am certainly surprised by the move. I love it for the game of baseball. i if I'm Manny Machado, I love it as well, but you know, here we are. And I think I will, I'm very excited to see how San Diego performs this year, whether they maybe add to the rotation and then we'll, we'll just have to see, but thank you all for tuning in tonight. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, but fortunately we were without the services of Max for today. He will be back for our next episode. This was just an emergency reaction pod to the Manny Machado signing in San Diego with the Padres for 10 years, $300 million. Uh, Thank you again for listening to the Core 4 podcast. Like, rate, subscribe. You're five stars, obviously, when you do the rating. But comment, tell your friends, retweet, follow us on Twitter at Core4Pod, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you when we have our official regular schedule of releases. And until then, stay tuned. Look out for, you know, exciting uh, developments with the podcast and go Yankees.